in a, in a time when we live when there's so many plastic or synthetic things in this world, it's nice and refreshing to hear real music from real voices. And that's it. It's so nice. So thank you, choir, for that gift. This morning, I'm going to do something I, I normally don't do. Um, that is, I'm going to preach on this assigned psalm for the day. There are, there's an Old Testament reading, there's a New Te Epistle reading, there's a Gospel reading, and there's always a psalm reading that's assigned. We never read it. Sometimes it's in the beginning of the call to service. But today, I'm going to preach on the psalm for the day, which is Psalm 80. Um, a few words about Psalm 80 before we begin, and before I read it to you. There are two important notes um, Two important things or aspects to notice about Psalm 80. First, this is the only psalm, only place actually in all of Scripture where God is referred to the title, the shepherd of Israel. Now, we know God's a shepherd. There's shepherd's imagery for God. But this is the only place in all of Scripture where God is called the shepherd of Israel. So that's one. And the second thing, this psalm, many people have called it the benediction psalm. Because in three places, the words, make your face shine upon us, occurs. And this is important because when it says these three verses, it says it over and over and over, three different places, that's what separates the psalm. Often when you're reading psalms, if you see a recurring phrase, then you know these are the sections. Now, why that's important is because you're going to have a part in this reading as I read Psalm 80 to you. Every time we get to the refrain, which is, restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. I'm going to say, let the people say, and you'll read that refrain. Now, those refrains in, your, in Psalm 80, they occur in verse 3, verse 7, and then the last verse, verse 19. So, 3, 7, and 19. Okay. I know you're all brilliant. I know we're, I, we don't have to even practice. If we fail miserably, we might have to run through the whole thing again. So grab those Bible. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe. So let us, let us read Psalm 80. I'll, I'll begin. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. And the people said, O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the people, the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. And the people said, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent forth its bows to the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and the creatures of the field feed on it. Return to us, O Lord God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your, plant, your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. 
Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. And the people said, Thank you. Did you notice when you were reading your, your response that each time it grew a little longer, that it intensified? The first time it says, restore us, O God. The second time it says, restore us, O God Almighty. The third time it said, restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Each time it's growing. And, and, and why this occurs, it's, it's much like this. It's much like a child who comes to his or her parents asking for a puppy. Right? The child might say, Mom, Dad, can I have a puppy? And when the reply is no, then the child might say, Dearest Mom and Dad, can I have a puppy? No. In desperation, the child will, will get you alone and say something like this, Daddy, I love you. Can I please have a puppy? No. And so they go to mommy. <laughs> mommy, dearest, you are my favorite. Can I pretty please have a puppy? Right? That's how this, it works. We know how it works. The psalmist is doing that. Oh, God. Oh, God Almighty. Oh, Lord God Almighty. From generic to specific. The plea is intense. It's intensifying. It's growing. Now, Israel, of course, isn't wanting a puppy. Puppy. These are serious words. They are in a serious position. They clearly want deliverance. That's why the word save occurs four times in that psalm. They're asking for deliverance. They're asking God. They're pleading with God. They're intensifying in their pleas for God for deliverance. And the reason is because many believe the Assyrian army, this is what's causing it, the Assyrian army had came and they, they decimated the north. The land was destroyed, the people were afraid. And so the psalmist knew that if, if the Lord God the Almighty, if he would simply shine his face on the people, if he'd simply come near to the people, if his hand would be on his people, then everything would turn around. They would be restored. Peace would occur. All that they would need is for God simply to shine his face on their dark situation. Much like that old hymn that says, Revive us, revive us, restore to thy grace, and then we shall live in the light of thy face. Any Presbyterians out there? You might have sung that. You know this one, right? Revive us, revive us, Lord. Restore to thy grace, and then we shall live in the light of thy face. If, Lord, you'll simply shine on our difficult situation, everything will be different. That's what's happening here. That's what they're pleading for. And we know how that is. God, simply shine your face. Then everything will be okay. But what happens when God doesn't shine? His face. What happens when God hides his face? What happens when God doesn't come quickly? What happens when there's not a fast answer to our pleas? 
What do we do then? Well, I know what the psalmist did. In difficult times, we ask hard questions. And that's exactly what the psalmist did in this, in this psalm. In fact, there are two questions he asked. The first question is how long, and the second question is why. These are real questions. That question, how long, is asked in verse 4. And the psalmist says in verse 4, he says these words, O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. That's strong language, right? I mean, God, how long? And even more, it's your fault, right? You have fed us bread filled with tears. You have fed us. You've made us drink a bowl full of tears. Oh, Lord, you have made our neighbors hate us. You, Lord, have made our enemies rule over us. That's strong language. God, it's your fault. When was the last time any of you prayed that way? I think most of us have been taught not to pray this way. Most of us have been taught not to be really honest in our prayers with God. Most of us were raised to maybe play the happy game or the glad game with God. I always bring up the glad game. I think I saw Pollyanna way too many times as a child. I'm sorry to take it out on you. I like that movie, just I take it out on you. But we were raised, right? We were raised to play the glad game. When something bad happens, oh, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the bell palsy that I have. Oh, Lord, I thank you for my broken arm. Oh, Lord, I think I, how we can pray that way. I mean, it seems, it doesn't even seem honest. Because when your face is paralyzed or your hand's broken or you lose your job, how do the words thank you come out? And we can say them. And maybe some people really believe them. But the psalmist tells us, at least, that's okay to also say, God, I'm mad at you. No, God, I'm not ready to turn these scars into stars or anything like that. I'm mad. I'm upset. Things are falling apart, and it's your fault, oh God. It's okay to say that. And yet many of us don't think it's okay. In fact, in our, in our LBW, our Lutheran Book of Worship, you might not know this, but there were 28 psalms that they, didn't, they, that they took out of the hymnal. At the very beginning, there's a list of psalms so you can sing back and forth. They took out 28 of them. Another 28, 21 of them were laments. Why? Because, you know, God forbid we sing a lament. Or God forbid that we, we keep before us this, this language of being upset with God. And so they just simply removed it. Why? Because, well, it's better to be happy. Let's sing happy thoughts. Let's be happy all the time. Now, the truth is there's a place for happiness. If you're happy, be happy. But the psalmist will tell us that there's also a place to be mad. There's a place to lament. But there's a time that's okay in your prayers to say, God, it's your fault. 
You did this. You brought this on us. I remember um, my first year at seminary. I, wasn't, I was raised, again, to be happy. And my first year at seminary, the floods in the Midwest had occurred. And we were gathered in worship, and, and we were going to go out to, in a couple days, and survey farms and see what was going on. They sent us away in North Dakota area, Grand Forks, South Dakota as well. And before we did that, one of our professors got up. And he got up, and he was so angry. And he cried out to God in anger about all these farmers who had lost their land. And I didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> I really didn't. I was so... I was so Shocked. I, I wasn't quite sure what to do. I, I thought maybe he just didn't get it. I, you know, here I am, a first-year student, and my professor, who's almost retired, didn't get it. <laughs> right? I was already a wise fool. Right? <laughs> but then we visited the people. And we surveyed the land. We saw the damage. <laughs> and we came back, and we were angry as well. We were mad. These were simple folks who had simple aspirations of just raising food and growing food for their family. Didn't know what they were going to do. So our pleas became angry, please. God, how long is this going to happen? That's what the psalmist is saying. How long, O oh Lord? Even more, his pleas turned from how long to then why? In verses um, 8 and following, the psalmist says this. It says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its bows to the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Why, God, did you do this? And the imagery, of course, is that of a farmer. And it's of God as a farmer who basically, he's, he's taken a vine out of Egypt, which is the Exodus. And then he clears all the ground, the conquest. And then he, he watches it prosper, which is the, the kingdom growing. And then the question is, God, if you did all that work, if you, if you let Israel out, and if you cleared the ground, and if you... Made the dynasty grow. Why now, Lord, are you bringing this, making this fall apart? What are you doing, God? I don't understand it, is the question. Why would you work so hard? What farmer would do that to his own flock or to his own, his own plant? What are you doing, God, is what the psalmist is saying. I just don't understand Now, in Isaiah 5, we, we are given the answer. And I'll read to you the answer of why God did this to the vine. The answer is this. God says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted with the choicest of vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes but it yielded only bad fruit. He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. 
In other words, Israel, all that God had done, you know the story. They grumbled in the wilderness. They, they, they worshiped idols. All that God had done, they had always forsaken God. They exploited the poor. This is what Israel did. And so God says, I have every right to do this. But what's important for us in this passage is the psalmist doesn't know that. The psalmist doesn't know why God's doing what he's doing. He's simply just asking, why? I don't understand it. What are you up to? Now, we know, but he doesn't. And this is important because with God, there are many questions that we have for God that we might not ever get an answer. Questions that plague us, questions that disturb us, questions that drive us down and, and, and make us upset. Questions such as, why do the wicked prosper? Other questions, why do the young die? Why is cancer so cruel? We can say, oh yeah, that's original sin. But that doesn't answer it. It doesn't answer why it has to be so terrible and awful. We don't get answers to those questions. There are mysteries that we don't ever get an answer to. Not really, not deeply, not the way that we need. Instead, God hides that from us. Why? Even that's a mystery. And so the question can't be why. But the real question is, in the midst of us not getting answers, can we continue to live? Can we live in the midst of mystery? Can we live knowing that we won't know? Can we live and keep faith in situations that cause us to be faithless? That's the question. There's a prayer that I've shared with a few of you. And it's a prayer that I've shared when people are suffering and their suffering's gone on for a long time. And the prayer says this. It says, Surely, O Lord, you made me yours through water and the word, and you keep me with Jesus in the one true faith. Yet my affliction drains my will, tests my patience, challenges my endurance. You've promised that you will not impose upon your children more than we can endure. And I know the truth of this word. However, I remain weak, and days of full health and renewed vigor seem far away. I know not if I am closer to the beginning or to the end of this trial. Weakness, uncertainty, doubt, and despair, they tempt me. But then the prayer says this. Remind me of your grace, O Lord. Keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Lead me through this wilderness for the sake of your son, Jesus, who knows my pain and weakness through his own temptation and passion. In other words, Lord, I don't know what's going on, and I don't know how all these promises are true, though you said it and I believe them. I simply ask this, remind me, Lord, of that grace. Remind me of your grace. Remind me of your goodness, Lord, because that's all I can hold on to. Let that light shine upon my darkness. That's the prayer. Remind me, O Lord, is the key. Remind me, O Lord. And that's what the faithful have been doing for 25, 3,000 years. They remember God's promises. Just this last week, I had a chance to, to meet with Helen Lambert. 
And Helen Lambert uh, um, is in recovering from, from pneumonia. And any of you who've had it, you know how long and how difficult that is. And it's, it's a terrible process. It takes a long time. And as I was visiting her, you know, she, her spirits were down, but she's still okay, and she's still fighting a little bit. And I asked her, I said, how are you doing? And she said, oh, okay. She said, a little scared, but I think I'm doing okay. And then I asked her, how are you surviving this? And she said, Pastor, for some reason I have one thing stuck in my head all day long, and I say it in the middle of the night when I wake up, and it's the benediction. That's the only thing that's causing me to, to hang on in the midst of this. She says, all I'm doing is we're saying it over and over and over and over and over. She said, and, I, and she goes, that's all I'm doing. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, I say the benediction over and over. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. She said, that's all I can say. But, but she went on to say, I'm so thankful for those words. Because those words I heard as a child. Those words have gone with me every Sunday. Those words were spoken when my husband died. Those words will be spoken at my funeral. I know God's face shines on me. I know God is with me even in the midst of this darkness. And so I'm thankful for those words. Psalm 80 doesn't answer our questions. Psalm 80 doesn't really give us anything that we can do. But Psalm 80 calls us, or it helps us, better yet, it helps us remember. And that is simply our prayer this day, of Ad first Sunday of Advent. Remind us, O Lord, Remind us, Lord, that you're the good shepherd who comforts us with your rod and staff, who searches for us when we are lost, who lays down his life for us. Remind us, Lord, that we can approach you in prayer and that you, with confidence, knowing that you love to hear us like a father loves, a good father loves to hear his children speak to him. Remind us, Lord, that you are the vine dresser who plants a good vine who takes care of it and when it doesn't produce, grabs that vine out of the dirt, washes it, ties it up so that the light of the Holy Spirit can produce fruit in it. Remind us, Lord, that we have a future, a future when we will see Christ face to face and his radiance will shine upon us and we will be changed from one degree of glory to the next. Remind us, O oh Lord, of all your love and mercy and care and grace. Remind us this day and always. Will there still be mystery? Yes. Will we still struggle? Yes. But in the midst of such mystery, we can stand tall. Let me remind you once more of the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. Though the Lord look upon you with favor. And give you his peace. In Jesus name. Amen.